All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. If you want to grab a seat. Again, special welcome to all of our online guests. Hope you're doing well today and glad everyone could be here. Uh, with this being the family service, we're going to do something a little different. So we're going to have some fun today. Um, first to start off, my name is Joe Matthews. I serve as the executive pastor here, and I have up here with me pastors Tony and Melissa Herring, and uh, they thought it'd be a good idea for my first assignment to be to grill them in front of everybody else. So uh, it's going to be some fun. I thought about, you know, setting up a law and order style interrogation table, but we opted for cozy chairs and a carpet and everything like that. So um, to let you know and kind of set up our time together here today, we're going to be doing an interview, and uh, we actually are going to have a slide up here that allows you an opportunity to, um, on your phone or later on on your computer, um, go to this website, that URL, and type in questions. Um, we're going to be getting into a series throughout the rest of this year um, called The Fight for the Family. And so today we're going to be interviewing Tony and Melissa, learning a little bit more about their history and setting up the series. And so any questions starting from now through this time next week, um, we're going to be accepting questions. It's going to allow us an opportunity to inform the teaching um, some of these questions will be answered at the beginning of the sermons. We also have a couple's encounter coming up uh, later in November where we'll spend some extended time also going through these questions. And so they are anonymous, the submissions. We encourage you to, you know, hit the green button, submit your questions as many as you would like. Um, it's a great way to stay engaged. And you also have an option to, um, to boost other questions. So if you see something that looks really good, you want to know the answer to, you can boost it up there and we can kind of rank them and see. And so it's just a fun way to stay engaged. But um, as I mentioned before, the, the series we're getting into is the fight for the family. Um, and the, the prophetic word for 2020 here at SOMA has been eyes wide open. Um, we've had a great opportunity throughout the year to receive a lot of fantastic teaching, um, very just timely now words um, in this particular season in history. Tony, Melissa, Marvin, they've all shared on things like, uh, we started the year about what does it look like to be a true worshiper. We spent some time also uh, talking about spiritual warfare and the supernatural. We've had teaching on the Holy Spirit and most recently the seven feasts. And so to kick us off in this interview, I just want to start uh, with you, Tony, and ask, you know, what is it about the family? What is it about this time um, that really made you want to focus in on this topic? Yeah, you know, um, there's the obvious, and that is that the enemy is after the family. Does anybody know that to be true? You know, and um, it's funny because most of us are familiar with that place in Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul gives instructions to husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives. Uh, wives, honor your, and, uh, and submit to your husband. And then it goes on even into chapter 6 a little bit and talks about um, uh, even how to honor your, your children and how to relate to your children. So there's this little family thing that Paul encourages and builds up and equips there at the end of the book of Ephesians. But then right after he says husbands, wives, children, is where we get Ephesians 6.10 where he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And after you've done everything to stand firm, stand firm then, and then he goes into what we know as the armor of God. And so it's no coincidence that he would follow up this intentional time of talking about the family with you need to be ready because the enemy's coming after your family. So that's one thing. It just needs to be a steady part of a congregation's diet. And even a steady diet in your home 
that um, you're talking about, hey, let's all remember, um, honey, husband, smoopshiku, whatever. <laughs> the enemy's after us. Kids, stop acting that way. The enemy is giving, getting a foothold in our lives whenever you're disobedient, you know, all those kinds of things. So that's one thing. But also, um, I think we would all agree that COVID has exposed uh, and maybe even amplified the anemic condition of the family. And I'm using that word anemic very, very intentionally. And, and most of us know what that means, but let me give you a quick definition. Anemia is a condition in which you lack enough healthy red blood cells to carry out, uh, to carry adequate oxygen to your body's tissue. Having anemia can make you feel tired and weak. And that's where a lot of families are at. Tired and weak without, uh, without the ability to really come against, fight against the schemes of the enemy to bring them down. And, uh, you know, the, the real blood that's missing uh, a lot of times in families is the blood of Jesus that surrender to Christ, Christ being the centerpiece of our family. And then, of course, a submission and living and walking by the Holy Spirit. So that's another thing. And again, I think COVID uh, has really brought attention to that, really um, uh, amplified that. Also, I thought about this, and, and um, I think you would agree with me too, the more turbulent and undependable that our society gets, our culture gets, the more peaceful and dependable our family needs to become. Because things are changing so rapidly. Things are just getting wild and woolly. Wouldn't you guys agree? And think about all the ways that we have looked to the world for so many sources of things in our life, our hope, our strength, our, our peace, our safety, um, um, our comfort, um, our sense of self-worth. I mean, we get so much from what we are told or, or, um, or, or is pushed down our throat through culture, through society. But that's, that's breaking down. We all see it. We all realize it. What we know as a society is just slowly eroding. And what about when it erodes past to the point we can have any kind of footing? Well, there's no place to put our hope and our sense of safety and, and all those things, even joy and satisfaction. What, where do we go? There's only one place to go, and that's your family. That's the one thing that will remain. Isn't that right? And I'm not even talking about just your, your family, uh, as in your home, but even your church family, even your biblical community. Those are the things that the Lord has put in our, in our path uh, and in our, in our um, lives to, to keep us um, focused and to keep us centralized. So, um, so those are the things that are on my heart for wanting to kind of bring a focus to that this year. And man, as soon as it started coming to my head, coming into my heart to um, talk about the fight for the family, the Lord began to confirm it in multiple ways. It seemed like everywhere I looked, there was something about the need to strengthen the family, the breakdown of the family, this, that, the other. I mean, everywhere. And I was like, wow. And you know, as a pastor, you want to make sure you hear right from the Lord and and you're feeding the sheep exactly what they need at that time. So I'm really processing it. One day, Melissa and I were out for a walk, and uh, and we were just talking, and and she was talking, and 
And then she started talking about, man, I've just been feeling like um, we, we need to talk about the family at, at Soma Church. And, and it, there's even families that have come to us that have been struggling and, and all kinds of things, you know. And she's, she's like, I just feel like, you know, maybe we need to spend some time just bolstering the, the family unit. And I was like, well, actually, <laughs> you know. And so even that, when, when Holy Spirit number two in your life says, this might be what the Lord's saying, you know. So those are some of the reasons we're, we're focusing on that, Joe. Yeah, that's good. And so uh, this past week, we had uh, our overseeing elders here with us, um, Eric and Susan Hewlett and Nick Lesmeister, and they spent some time uh, just affirming the function and the health of Soma's church government. And again, want to encourage you to go back. If you haven't listened to either of those two weeks, the last two sermons, please do so, whether it's on the podcast or on YouTube. Um, just such timely teaching, and it really sets the foundation and groundwork um, as it applies to our church uh, government and also just into our families as well. Um, Susan was here and gave a really particularly encouraging word about um, just the church and, and the body. And so, Melissa, would you be able to just kind of explain why that was so significant for us? Yeah, well, first of all, just having Eric and Susan here, who Tony and I consider our pastors, and if you weren't here, and just to give a bit of that backstory, we... Um, you know, at a time that we were really um, needing, needing them, the Lord just brought us to them. And so they've been spiritual parents to us and our pastors. And so um, they saw us at maybe our worst or coming out of our worst season of our marriage. It was before kids. We were living in Dallas and going to college. And um, so 23 years later for, for these people that have been so influential in our lives, that have sown so much into our lives for them to stand and commend our health to come in, how functional the church is, our home, us as, as a family. Um, I was so humbled, honestly. I'm humbled to be sitting in this chair right now. Like, I'm like, who am I? But um, I was so humbled. I was incredibly honored um, because I knew that we were going to be doing this series. And so for her to commend the health and the function um, and, and, to, and to really, as she was pointing to the men who were being set in, and our current elders and stewards, and to say health is going to trickle, trickle down. And it reminded me, Tony said in um, his sermon a couple weeks ago on um, healthy government, you know, your, your home has a government. And um, whether you realize it or not, I mean, we're not really politicians. We're not campaigning. I don't have campaign signs in my kids' rooms. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not, they don't have platforms <laughs> other than, you know, maybe what they want to do this weekend. But we... We have a government, and whether you realize it or not, there's a government in your home, and you have to fight for health. I don't know if you guys have realized this, but you have to fight for health. It doesn't just happen naturally, you know, um, especially we're in the world, and so we're going to pick up some of the things of the world. It's just going to happen, and so, um, so it, it was just a great commendation and a great confirmation, incredibly humbling, and knowing that we're about to go in to finish the year with a fight for the family, it was just the maybe the dose of confidence that we needed and the, the yes from the Lord to like, yeah, do this. Well, and so speaking of Eric and Susan, and you said that you, they knew you way back when, that's really where we want to spend the bulk of our time is getting to um, know life behind the scenes for our pastors, to, to get a glimpse into life outside and, and off the pulpit. Um, you know, kind of develop some street cred or uh, let us know that there is qualifications that you guys have that you've walked through in life that you can speak into um, the importance of family, the roles in family. And so um, what we see up here has not always been um, 
the polished, the, the, you know, put together. There's been a lot of work that's gone into it. There's been a lot of history. And so we want to kind of unpack that a little bit. Um, so Tony, why don't you start kind of let us know a glimpse into, you know, where it all started. What, what were the early years like? <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing about Melissa and I, when we say the early years, we're not talking about when we met, you know, in our 20s or even in our teens. Melissa and I met when we were uh, seven years old. I was coming from uh, another another town into Lindale and moved there in the second grade. And um, I have a very, very specific memory of coming off the bus um, there at the school. And one of the first people that I encountered that scary day of coming to this new school where I didn't know anyone, you know, um, was Melissa. And something that's funny is, is uh, about this memory is at the time I had... I'm um, really bad uh, fever blisters, cold sores. You guys, anybody ever had any of those? They can be bad, especially when you're, you know, seven years old and you can't help but like bite on them, you know? So I was always like, <laughs> and so I, literally it was like a, a ring of, of sores, you know, it looked like I'd been eating, you know, granola with glue on my mouth or something, you know, it was bad. And so anyway, I'll let Melissa tell this part of the story, but, but I encountered her and she just looked at me. And yeah, and I said to him, new new little boy, I said, oh, I get fever blisters too. Like, I don't know why that that was, I felt like he needed that encouragement, but I felt like he needed that for that day because <laughs> we both were getting fever blisters, and so we bonded, I guess, over that. We did. She had my heart. It was love at that first day. blister. Well, I will say, um, um, I truly, growing up, I, I did have a deep fondness uh, for Melissa, um, I, I really liked her, but we were on just separate sides of the tracks in so many ways. I didn't know the Lord, um, just come from a different kind of, I don't know what you say, class of something, you know. Um, and I just, we just, it wasn't going to work at that moment, you know. But um, but we went to school together. We had classes together um, in high school. Um, actually, we rode the bus together. We were that close in proximity our whole lives. We even rode the school bus together. We learned all the inappropriate things that you learn on a school bus together. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, uh, but when we got in high school, we also ran track together. And so, so we enjoyed that together. And we were friends. It's not like we never talked. We had classes together. And, and uh, one of the things that she always tells, we didn't talk about this last night, but I was a weird kid. You know, Of course, you know I'm a weird adult too. But... Um, we had one class together, I think it was home ec or something, and her uh, freshman, maybe sophomore year, and she had this um, person. Every time I walked by her, she just smelled so good, you know? And so I was like, man, what does that smell? It smelled like green apples, which I love green apples. And so, um, oh, it's my hairspray or something in my purse. Is that what it was? And I would go, oh, can I smell? And so I would stick my head in her purse and be like... Oh, and so <laughs> he sniffed my purse every day of ninth grade. It's weird. But I think it's weirder that I just let him and didn't really do anything about it. <laughs> I was just like, okay, he's going to sniff my purse. I just continue on with conversation while Tony had his nose in my purse. It's weird. Yeah, so anyway, we, uh, our senior year, um, um, it's an interesting way that our paths crossed. I don't know if you want to tell that or not. But yeah, we didn't tell this last night. This is a fresh crowd. Maybe someone needs to hear this. Tony was working at Burger King, which y'all remember that, right? That's part of his testimony. Um, <laughs> he didn't know Jesus, but he was working at Burger King. Anyway, um, I was at Burger King after school and um, saw him uh, taking somebody's order at the counter. And um, it, was, it was basically like a sitcom. 
And um, I asked my friend Melinda, and I said, hey, is Tony still dating that girl? And she's like, no, they broke up. And I was like, hmm, you know. And so fast forward a few weeks, and um, I was the librarian assistant, <clears throat> total nerd. But anyway, um, during the, all the lunches, and so during the lunch, the kids would come up there, and I'd get to see everybody during lunches. So it was so fun. And um, Tony came walking in to the, to the library, as he often did, and um, we would talk and stuff, and he's walking towards me. Well, the night before, I had actually been at a revival with a couple of my best friends. Um, has anyone been to a revival? Do they do those anymore? But yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you've been to a revival. Yes, thank you. So you know what I'm talking about. You know, I have probably had the Shekinah glory <laughs> on me. So um, anyway, I'd gone with some friends the night before. I was going to go that night. Um, they couldn't go. They had something. And, I, and so Tony's walking towards me. He's a 17-year-old lost kid. And I was just like. I'm with a mullet. With a mullet. And I just thought. And an earring. This is 91. And I said, I'm going to. I'm going to invite him to go to that revival with me. I mean, just out of nowhere, y'all. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I thought he was cute. I knew he wasn't dating that girl, so that wasn't going to be weird. And, um, and so I asked him, and he said, yeah. He Take did. note. She asked me. <laughs> just saying. To get saved, basically. Well, okay. but, yeah. Anyway, we'll keep, keep, keep going. Yeah, so... He said, yeah, I knew he didn't know what he was saying yes to, but he asked me what he should wear, when he should pick me up. So we drove to, uh, drove to the revival, and anyway, I started getting a little nervous because I was raised Pentecostal, and we were going to one of those kind of revivals, okay? So I'll, I'll let you finish that. Well, part. I'll never forget. I, I mean, I, I have a very um, um, good memory, and I remember we were walking up. This was an R.W. Schambach revival at Rose Heights Church, I didn't know what a revival was. I was just glad to be with her. But anyway, we're walking up, and it was a slight drizzle, and uh, and we're walking, and she says, "Hey, um, hey, don't freak out if I raise my hands or anything." And I was like, "Oh." Hmm. I was like, "I didn't know you could ask questions at church." And she was like, Ugh. "So we went in anyway." So we, uh, we were at that revival, and we sat up in the balcony, and um, I was just so nervous the whole time. I don't, you know, like it's when you invite someone to church, and you're just so worried something weird's going to happen, you know, because I was raised assemblies of God, so something weird was happening every week. But anyway, they, uh, it started to get a little hairy, you know, bodies hitting the ground kind of stuff, you know what I mean? And I was like, you want to go? Because I was like, we're going to freak him out, and he's not going to ever want to come back to church again. I have no memory of that weird stuff. All I remember is, she smells so good. <laughs> I think it was Aussie scrunch, y'all. <laughs> like, they still make that? Yeah, okay. Had big hair, you know. So anyway, we, we left and we got Taco Bell and then he asked me on our first real date. So we and then I asked her out on another date. So the next week we went to Bennigan's. Y'all miss oh, yeah. Bennigan's? Y'all remember Bennigan's? Yes, I don't know why they closed that place down. It wasn't even COVID, you know? It's because it was gross. <laughs> So we're at, we're at Bennigan's. This is a real date. I asked her out, would you go on a real date? She said yes. Um, I was shocked, but she went. And, um, and so we're eating. I had a, I had a, um, a Monte Cristo, and she had whatever she had. So we're, we're, dinner's done. We're talking. And she's just talking and talking and talking. And I'm just, like, love-gazed, you know. But I'm also cleaning my teeth, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know, it's okay. It's, it's still a couth thing to do. So I'm cleaning my teeth and... There's a little bit of a chunk right there. And she's talking, and I was like, 
and this piece of food like flies. slow motion I see it it's like a meteor and it and it just and I'm talking and it's I can't stop its trajectory and it landed right in my mouth and I was like Ugh, did you just spit that and he's like did that land in your mouth and I was like oh my god can you just spit in my mouth I consider it our first kiss <laughs> Very, very romantic. Do you remember what song was playing in that moment? Or? It was probably a Guns N' Roses song. Sweet Child of Mine. Or. Uh, so, so the high school thing, you guys grew up together. Um, and fast forward a little bit, you guys got engaged. And I've heard rumors of a pretty, pretty fun engagement story. You want to tell me about that? Yeah. Well... I said this last time, I'm going to say it again. I'm really glad that social media didn't exist in the early 90s. I don't know about you guys. Are you glad that you didn't have social media? Um, I'm just, I'm afraid we would have been arrested or something. But I'm also glad that we didn't have the pressure of Pinterest and all of these Instagram proposals. And like, high school boys can't even ask a girl to the prom anymore without it becoming this epic event, you know? And so um, I'm just glad that we lived in this complete oblivion of what a proposal should look like. Otherwise, I might have turned him down. But we were living in Lindell, and I was we were both in college, and I was studying for finals at my mom's house, and um, he, he called me from a payphone for Tyler. Does anyone remember those? And um, he asks me, I'm going to be heading, I'm going to be coming in, I'm getting off work, do you want anything to eat? And I said, yeah, pick me up a chicken finger basket from Dairy Queen. Right? Gravy, fries, toast, right? Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> Have y'all had that? <laughs> Come on, that's some good stuff right there. Thank you. That's some good food. Yeah, greasy. Comfort food when you're studying for finals. So I was sitting there and he came in and he was acting totally weird. And um, I was like, what are you doing? And my sister calls, and she's acting weird. And I was like, I, and he's like, tell her you got to go, you got to go. And I sat back down, and he dims the lights. Like, it's weird. And, and, then, I look, and then I look over, he's on one knee. Well, no, he's like, do you, want, do you need ketchup? And I'm like, no, I just want my gravy. Like, can we do this? <laughs> like, please, I just want, I want to eat my food. He's been weird, wouldn't let me open the box. He's down on one knee. I open the box, and there's a black velvet ring box sitting on top of the chicken fingers. <laughs> and romantic. So romantic. Everybody's getting ideas. <laughs> My boys I had are... to put the box in the box because the ring wouldn't actually fit, fit on a chicken finger. That's what I was wanting to do. But I remembered, oh, they're too big, so I did the very yeah, next Yeah, so thing. anyway, I was like, knowing him, I just didn't really know what to expect because that could have been anything. I mean, y'all know, Tony, that could have been anything in that box. She was like, you better not be joking. Because, like, you just proposed in a chicken finger basket. Yeah. So I, was like, I was serious. So I said yes. So anyway, that's the end of that Did story. you eat the rest of the basket? Or yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. All of it. Lick the gravy. <laughs> Off the ring. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, so... You guys are in love and nothing could go wrong. You're set up for success. You know, all you need is love. That's what you do going into marriage. But um, as we've all typically found out, that's not necessarily enough to get by. And so you get married and you move to the DFW area. And the first few years you had kind of a, a tough season. Um, you know, what in that season or who even was the turning point to help you through that? 
You know, Melissa and I both came into our relationship and certainly our marriage um, very broken, but we were too young to know that. Uh, I think the people in our lives at the time, parents and friends and whoever, they may have known that, but they didn't speak up about that, not really. And so, um, so we had things in our lives, things from our past, things that we've done, things that we had said, things done to us, uh, family dynamics. We both came from from uh, split families. And so there was a lot of things that we brought into marriage that we never dealt with. And even in our relationship, there were a lot of inappropriate things in our own relationship, uh, in our own dating uh, relationship, things that we shouldn't have, um, boundaries we should not have crossed emotionally and even physically, if you guys understand my meaning. And, um, but I think our mentality was, uh, well, we're about to put a ring on it. And so we'll be good. In fact, if, if you're here and, and you are single, you've never been married or maybe you have been married. You were married for years, but now you're single because perhaps you're, a, you're widowed or you've been divorced. And for whatever reason, you're single. Um, you, you need to be reminded that, one, you have to have purity in your relationship. There are things that need to wait until you are married. And we're adults here. You understand what I mean. And we can't, we can't um, falsely believe that just because we're engaged now or because um, eventually there's going to be a ring over it. A ring doesn't cover that sin. And the guilt and the shame and the regret that comes with that sin, a ring does not cover that. The only thing that covers that type of guilt, shame, regret, sin, is the blood of Jesus through repentance. And so we are now, um, you know, three years into our marriage and we never really understood that, knew that. And I had never repented to her for how, um, how poorly I led her in our dating relationship. She never repented um, to me in any way for those dynamics. And so now it's three years in and everything is catching up to us. Her past, my past, our past together is catching up. And that lack of repentance, that lack of bringing that under the blood of Jesus is catching up. And the enemy had a massive foothold, and we almost divorced. Yeah, this is the time that we, um, we moved to the DFW area for us to finish school. I, went, I was going to go to, I went to the University of Texas Arlington for my social work degree. He was in Bible school. Um, so we were two displaced country kids living in the city. So already we were just a little vulnerable. Um, and then add to that our just our pain and our hurt. And, um, but the real, the real kicker in all of that is that we were out of fellowship with the Lord. Um, we had just, we were out of fellowship in the church. We weren't going, we weren't plugged into a church. We didn't have one person in our spiritual community when we lived in the DFW area for those first couple of years. And um, we weren't tithing. I mean, it was like all that we knew that was right and good and true to be doing. We weren't doing it. We were caught up on this hamster wheel. Like we just, it's like we couldn't get out of it. And our, our brokenness was just so in our faces every day. Um, I had a real supernatural encounter with the Lord it's as, as part of my testimony. Um, and it's actually what I was even reflecting on during worship when the Lord literally called me out of the grave. And, um, and, and the Lord, I can only say it was the Lord that put a resolve in us. We had our spiritual parents talking to us about separating 
you know, like we were trying to decide was divorce the option at this point. Like these were real conversations. Do we not need to be together? We weren't sleeping in the same room. Um, it was hard. I mean, it was rough. And thank God it was before kids. But we were, we were moments from being a statistic. And I just think the Holy Spirit, like only he can do, um, intervened in our lives. And um, we just determined that we would take the next step towards wholeness and healing. And we found this church, Grace Community, Eric and Susan's church um, in Euless. And we could not have, we didn't know how much we needed it until we walked in. And it was genuinely home. And I think it was the safest place and the safest we had felt in years. And um, they just cocooned us in love and acceptance and forgiveness. I was telling Erica earlier this morning, I did not know what grace was until I went to that church. I learned, I, I was 23 years old and hadn't, I'd been raised in the church and did not know what grace is. Didn't know the grace of the Lord. Um, but they modeled that. They poured it out on us. They believed in us. And they've been so incredibly instrumental, not just in our marriage. They're our go-to. Um, we're, we've been married a long time. We still have to get counseling. You know, um, we will reach impasses and places that we're hurt that, we're, that we'll concede and go, we need outsiders. We need people who love us and know us to coach us and navigate us through this hurt because we've recognized it's a hurt and we need help with it. So these are who we go to and they were instrumental. I mean, that was really the turning point, their mentorship, just, um, it was like a greenhouse for us to be planted in the house of the Lord. I mean, the Lord put us in his house and we got planted and literally, uh, commissioned into full-time ministry out of that church. So sitting here today because of their influence. And it's just by the grace of God and that their influence in your lives. And so looking forward now, it's been 26 years of marriage. It's two decades of ministry, four kids. Um, you know, the you say it like that, Joe. I'm, sure. uh, I'm really old. Uh, like I've earned this gray hair it's, now. <laughs> it's all compliments. That's what it is. Um, and so you get to the point now where, you know, everything isn't perfect, but, you know, you've learned a lot along the way. And one of the things that you guys have learned as you've gone through this is, is conflict and when conflict arises because it will in marriage in any relationship um, what are some of the the healthy habits some of the tactics you've used or developed um, to learn how to you know do something as fight well and fight fair yeah you know um, Melissa and I've done a lot of marriage counseling pre-marriage counseling um, a lot and uh, one of the things that I, I noticed um, after many years of doing that and then in our own relationship is that in a relationship in a, in a married relationship uh, or couple or whatever, when you get together, there's always a runner and there's always a chaser. And what I mean by that is the, the runner is someone that they need time to sort through their feelings, th sort through their emotions. Um, just give me a second. Let me, let me just, okay, let me just gather my thoughts before we get into the heat of battle here. But the chaser's like, no, we need to settle this now. And so they may not literally be chasing each other around the house, but there's this idea that he or she is, is running. I just need to gather my thoughts and, and he or she is chasing her. No, let's, let's, you know, following a room to room, which is what, what we used to do. But in every relationship, uh, I would say nine times out of ten, there is a runner and a chaser. In our relationship, uh, Melissa is the runner. She needs time to kind of 
sort through her thoughts, her feelings, her emotions. And I'm like, no, I want to chase her down. Let's get this settled right now so we can be good. You know, <laughs> let's, let's work it out. And so that was a dynamic um, in, our, in our relationship early on is, is learning, um, learning that balance of when to run, when not to chase, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know if you want to share a very specific moment in our, in our marriage that really um, shifted everything. Yeah, I, um, I'm generally, if you'll give me 30 minutes, I'll forget what we're even fighting about, honestly. So I'm like, if you just leave me alone, but he just couldn't stop poking the bear, you know, I'd be like, dude, back off. I'll be nice. But when he wouldn't back off, I would, I would, I would match him and I knew I I would take him down. Um, (laughs) I was like, I'm going to win this fight with always marry. If you're single, marry a woman. That can kick your tail. I'm telling you, it's great. Oh my god, my wife. That didn't come out last night, but anyway. No, it didn't. Um, but my wife, she can, she could take. No, me. I mean, I just, I was like, I'm gonna say so many hurtful things to you right now, and I know exactly what buttons to push, and I know I will win this with my words, and um, and I'm like, you're just asking for it, dude. You're just asking for it, and so we we would verbally rip each other to shreds, um, and. We just got so tired of it, and I was so, I just was like, Lord, you're going to have to intervene. We just, we didn't really, we needed help. We needed Jesus. I don't know if there's any marriages in the house needing that right now, but we needed Jesus. And it's just kind of a story. He, we were both just being stupid. We were fighting about something, don't even know what it was. We were fighting about, but he was chasing me through the house, and I was trying to get to the, to the, not like literally, I wasn't sprinting for my life, but you get what I mean, right? Like, I'm like, we can talk about this later. I'm going to go do the dishes, okay? Let me just go do the dishes. And he didn't just let me go to the dishes. He followed me in there. So I'm standing there doing the dishes, and I'm washing a mug. And, um, and I have it. I actually have it in my right hand. And he followed me in, and I can, I can feel him. I know he's a few feet behind me, and I know he's wanting to fight. I, I knew he, he wasn't so wanting to let it go. And some of you guys are identifying with this. And um, he just wanted he just wanted to get into it, wanted to get into it. And I was like, God, please, please make him turn around right now, Lord, please. I I don't want to hit him upside the head with this mug. <laughs> and here's the thing: I was a softball player. I had an arm, man. I was like, I'm gonna break his nose. I won't miss. I will hit my target. Like I was like, I know I will. And um, I'm like, I'm gonna. Re- this is gonna result in violence. And so, um, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, I'm holding that mug. <laughs> Probably no one relates to this, right? And so, uh, anyway, and he he walked away, Joe. He walked away, and I didn't break his nose. And there was something in that moment, and we didn't know it necessarily at the time, but it completely changed the way that we were going to fight. And we learned from that moment that we could res- we, there's a great way to resolve conflict, and we had to practice it. And, um, and just an encouragement for you guys, like, it, it doesn't just mean, you don't just have conflict in marriage, right? You have conflict in your, in any relationships that you have. If you're being open, if you're being honest, there's going to be conflict in siblings, um, with coworkers, right? Like with your best friends, there can be conflict. And one of the practices, and I want to encourage you guys with this, you know, long before it says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. There's a verse in the passage that said, in Ephesians that says, submit to one another, therefore, out of reverence for Christ. And long before we were married, 
we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Like we have a responsibility to one another. And in Romans 12, it says prefer one another. And so this became the way that we learned to fight well, because you're going to fight. We still have, we had a spat recently, right? Um, but we don't fight the same way anymore. We're going to disagree. There's going to be conflict because we're, we're human and we aren't always in the spirit, Joe. Um, sometimes we're in the flesh and, um, but we've learned to stop and remember that, like, I need to submit to him, not out of this distorted sense of submission as a wife, but because he's my brother in Christ and I need to prefer him. And I've learned that if I'm preferring him and he's preferring me, and we're putting each other's needs ahead of our own. We don't have to fight for our needs to be met. It's pretty powerful. It takes both people. I get that, you know, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks as a woman teaching towards being a wife can help even shed more light on that. But that's a real habit, a real principle, and a real discipline in your life just to, pref to prefer one another. You can gain some ground in your relationships if you'll just stop and with brotherly kindness prefer them. Don't make it about you winning the fight. Don't make it about what you need from them. And the Lord was like, let him off the hook and let me deal with you, right? So, One thing I would add real quick. Um, if you want to have um, a healthy conflict resolution as a part of the culture of your home, and I really mean not, not just between husbands and wives, but even in your, in your children and, and parents to children, um, a centerpiece has to be forgiveness, repentance. You, you've got to be willing to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And you would be shocked at how many times I've done marriage counseling with someone and someone's not willing to admit they were wrong. It's, it can be unbelievable because that is a, that's a centerpiece in our relationship with Jesus. So when someone's has, uh, is unable to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, ask for forgiveness, repent. There's actually something bigger going on in the dynamic with their relationship with the Lord. And so that's true of your kids. There have been times where we have hurt our kids. We've said something or we, we've acted unbecoming. And we've had to say, you know what, son? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Um, and because of that, that's, that's a fairly common uh, event in our home. Is sometimes we'll have family powwows, everybody on the couch, and mom and I might need to repent for something, or we know they need to repent for something, and so we just foster the atmosphere. Do anybody need to repent for something? Because I believe there is some repentance that needs to happen. But if you want healthy conflict resolution as part of the culture of your home, insert the idea of, of, of forgiveness, repentance. And so preferring one another and, and forgiving one another really takes humility, and, and that's just such a discipline. It's just a, a conscious decision, and I love that you guys are talking about how it's not just husband and wife. It's, it's brother and sister. It's mom and dad. It's uh, in-laws. It's all across the board in relationships, and that's just really something that you know we can sink our teeth into in any relationship that we have. Um, you talked about some counseling in premarital counseling. You guys have been doing that now for several decades. Um, uh, that sounds longer. Couple, two decades. <laughs> Several is more than, yeah, sorry. So two decades. What, um, what are some of the things that you kind of, you know, bullet out and instill in those teachings? Um, I know I've heard um, talk of the four Fs. And what does that uh, kind of look like in that, that setting? Yeah, so um, Melissa and I have been doing marriage counseling and pre-marriage, a lot of pre-marriage counseling because Soma started as a, um, as a, um, college ministry, young adult ministry. Of course, we were youth pastors forever, so I, I can't even count how many weddings uh, we've done in premarital counseling. 
But um, but yeah, I guess at some point we had we must have kind of caught a stride in some of the things that we would talk talk about, and we were actually um, either during or after. I think it was actually after Sean and Katura. Um, you guys know Sean; he's one of our elders here, one of our drummers. You see him a lot. Katura is our youth director. We were doing their premarital counseling. I think it was after the wedding. We were talking, and and um, and Sean, being an LPC, a licensed professional counselor, he picked up on, hey, um, I don't know if you ever thought about it, but you have four topics that you cover in, in the counseling. I was like, oh, yeah, really? He said, yeah. He said, and they all start with F. I was like, really? As a preacher, I'm like, you mean I have some alliteration going on? I didn't even know it, you know? And so um, and he said, yeah, you, you talk about family. I said, yeah, we talk about family. One of the first things that I'll ask a couple is, tell me um, something that you loved about your upbringing, that you loved about what your father modeled to your mother, your mother modeled to your father, what you saw in their relationship, that you were so excited about bringing into your marriage, into your family. And then we flip the coin. Tell me something that you just could not stand about the way you were raised, about what you saw in your home that you just really do not want to bring into your family dynamics. And what's interesting is when you get into that, and that's just one of the exercises, but as, as they start talking as a counselor, I begin seeing the potential hot spots, the potential red flags, because what was awesome for her was terrible for him or terrible for her, awesome for her, you know, and all of a sudden you see these, these, or if they share some, some bad experiences, you see, you begin seeing the potential red flags. And so, um, it's just a great exercise. And again, all of us have experienced something. There's probably, all of us have something, something that we want to bring in from our upbringing. And most of us, I would say probably all of us have something, you know what? I don't want to bring that into my marriage. And so, um, so that's one thing, family. Another thing is fears. And I'm not talking about phobias. I'm not talking about, you know, being scared of spiders or being scared of the dark. Although I did do counseling with someone that was deathly afraid of the dark. We had to work through that. It was interesting. Um, but I'm talking about fears that really stem from or come from something that you experienced in your upbringing, in your, in your family, a, a way that you were treated or or something, a lie perhaps that you've believed because of something that happened to you or that you saw. And, uh, um, you know, I've, I've, I've heard of husbands that had uh, a massive fear of not being able to provide for their family, uh, provide for their wife. I've, I've, I've known wives that were afraid um, that their husband was going to leave them or cheat on them because that's what happened for her growing up in their family. Um, or um, I've, I've heard of people that were deathly afraid of, um, of losing their spouse to death or to a disease because that's what they experienced. And so we can come into marriage, into family with fears, but they're fears that can really cripple us and really affect your marriage dynamic, your family dynamic. So family, fears, and then we talk about finances. You know, that's, you know, Melissa and I always say, um, and we've heard this, that the two big topics that, that people fight about in marriage is um, kids in here, uh, intimacy and, uh, and finances. 
And so we talk about finances, um, who's the spender, who's the saver, those kinds of things. And um, if they don't know how to build a budget, we help them build a budget and all those kinds of things. And then the fourth category, that was a tough one because I was listening to Sean and, and, and we talk about intimacy. And so he said the four F's. I'm like, Sean, where are you going with this, man? <laughs> I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable. He goes, yeah, that's where I'm having a hard time. So I was thinking, fornification? I go, no, that's, you know, intimacy before marriage. And, uh, yeah, I thought, fondling? I go, no, you never know. We don't want to. And so, anyway, you get where I'm going with that. We settled on fun. <laughs> All things fun. Not just intimacy in that way, but um, enjoying marriage. Everything from intimacy to just a good date night to just fun. And so those became the four F's that um, not only did we start, did we use those um, like in that way. Now I call them the four F's. Um, we've used those now in pre-marriage and marriage counseling, whether it's with a new couple or a couple that's been married for 30 years. That's good. Well, and so really in this time together, we're just trying to pull out. And what makes me so grateful and appreciative is that the teaching that we'll be receiving, the teaching that, that we've been under, this is born out of years of experience. This is, you've lived through these things. And so um, I'm just so grateful to hear more about your, your history and all the things that the Lord has taught you along the way in your journey. Um, one of those four Fs as we kind of come to a close is family. And so to give us a setup for the, the coming weeks, um, if you could give us, you know, one or two bullet points um, of what we can expect going forward to kind of whet our appetite into the series, um, just give us a little bit of Sure. Well, we definitely want to talk about parenting, you know, um, which we're excited about. We, um, the Lord was so gracious to really um, unify Tony and I um, before we ever had kids. We were married almost six years before we had Aiden and um, really started devising in our hearts and letting the Lord really lead us in wisdom on how we wanted to raise our kids. And they're not perfect, but we enjoy our kids and we want everyone to enjoy their kids, you know? And, um, and there's a real art and skill to that too in parenting and they're exhausting. And it's probably one of the weaker areas because we're so tired, you know, to stay consistent in that. But, um, we had some, uh, youth parents that worked with us that we enjoyed the way they raised their kids. We watched them enjoy their teenagers and we were like, how did y'all do it? You know? And, um, and we were like, and they said that to us, we, we were determined to enjoy our kids. And that's a lot of hard work up front so that when they are teenagers, um, you, you just get, you get to enjoy the work and the fruit of your labor. So again, they're not perfect, but I sure do have some sweet boys and a little girl. So that for sure, the parenting, um, just the tidbits that we've picked up along the way. Listen, if someone has three seconds more parenting experience than me, I ask them how to do this. I'm not kidding. And even if they aren't, even if they don't have kids my age, I'm like, I, I, I just think you need, we need to ask for help. I mean, we need each other. It takes a village, right? And I'm always like, hey, how did you raise your adult kid? You know, like, how did you do this well um, to ask for that kind of help and to get that kind of input? So, and then the other thing for me, just getting to be um, a woman, right? Like, I'm excited to get to teach on that and what that means. Just, I think um, our culture has tried to homogenize the genders, right? Like, I don't, I, I feel like the distinctions um, and male and female and not just the distinctions, but the celebration of being male and female, we're losing that 
in our culture of what it, be, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman created in the image of God. Um, I'm passionate about that, you know, that it's not, that I'm, we're not lesser and we're not weaker. Um, we were created to be a help me. God didn't create women to be a help me and then made us super weak so that we couldn't help be a help me. I mean, think about that. If he made us to be a help me, then he's like, I'm going to have to give her some extra, right? And I'm like, that's right. And I want us to celebrate what that is, what that extra is for women, not just as a wife or a mother, because there are people in here who aren't a wife or a mother, but you're a woman and you've been uniquely called by God and you have purpose and you can have identity um, in spite of what the world has said a woman should be. Um, and to really get to celebrate that and be proud of that in like a righteous way. I'm, I'm pumped about it. So. You know, I know whenever I share, I'll, I'll be primarily um, speaking to encouraging men. And, uh, you know, I think men need hope. One of, the, one of the things that I consistently run across in marriage counseling is uh, the, a wife will inevitably say, um, I just want my husband to lead me. I just want my husband to spiritually lead me. And it's not, not like the husband's like, well, that's just stupid. You know, they're not. Their husbands, that's what they want. Most of us men just have not been modeled that. We've been taught how to throw a football, how to field a grounder, maybe how to build a treehouse. But we haven't really been taught how to um, love our wives and, and parent and, and talk about the deeper things. And, and, uh, and so we, we only deal with what we've seen. And so now we're just modeling more things maybe that we've seen that are unhealthy. Now, if you came from a healthy family, you're probably a person that models very healthy things in your marriage. But we know that this is a very fatherless generation, true or false. It is. And so um, as a whole, men are just ill-equipped. And we know it. Consistently, the husband will say, I want to lead. I don't know how. And so that's a dynamic we have to work through. And so for me, um, I know whenever I share, when I talk to men, whenever I'm going to talk about being a husband or a dad, or, uh, um, I want to inspire hope. Um, I want to give information. But I also want to be able to give application. Just some practical things. Just just doing this. So information and application, but I'm also aware, and I think you guys are too, that's, that, that, that is only as good as the revelation that you get. And the revelation that we need as men is that things can change. Jesus is uh, the hope that we need. Scriptures tell us who to be. The Holy Spirit is our comforter and our counselor, and he guides us into the right things at the right time. Amen. And, and even in that, I, I, I want to... I, I know we're probably winding now down right now, but I just want to inspire hope right now. You know, that, that if you are in a marriage situation, a family dynamic that is, is just, it feels hopeless. Like I am, I am just, I guess I need to resolve that this is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. Can I tell you that our God is a redeemer? He restores, he reconciles, he makes um, old things pass away and new things to come. Mm -hmm. If we can believe that and, and theologically believe that about our, our salvation, why could we not believe that for our marriage? Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. And so we need the revelation of the Lord. And also I think um, I want to challenge everybody even now 
to decide what do you want? What do you want? When a couple comes to me and says we need marriage counseling and they're in the middle of conflict, um, I always ask, the first thing I ask is what do you want? What do you want? And what I mean is, do you want to stay together? Do you want to work it out? Or do you want to continue in this craziness? And I would say every time, well, we want to um, be together. We want, and they kind of, for the first time probably ever, um, put forth a vision for their family. But they've never thought about what we want other than what I want in this moment that's causing the conflict. So I want to encourage you, what, ask yourselves, what do we want? Who do we want to be? Men, what, what type of man do I want to become? What type of husband? What type of a father? Same thing for, for women. What kind of woman do I want to be? Because if you, if you don't um, start with that, then there's just going to be information going out one ear, uh, going in ear, one ear out the other. But we need revelation. And the other thing I was going to um, say really quick, um, just as an example, um, you have to know that there's not going to be like this um, magical mojo that we're going to sprinkle across the crowd. I doubt something's going to begin floating upon you from the ceiling or anything in this room. So again, it's going to come back for information and revelation, but you need to know that if you're in a situation and you want your family dynamic to change, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your parenting, whatever, maybe it's just total chaos in your home, it will take work. Do you understand? You're going to have to be purposeful. And something I said last night that I didn't plan to say, but I want to bring into this this morning. Here's an example of, of where to put some work. I always tell couples that there are four hurdles that you will encounter as you run this race of life, marriage, family. And one of the hurdles in a couple is just the male and female differences. True or false, there is enough differences between guys and girls that take you a lifetime to work it out, right? It's like they are so different. They think differently. My husband um, acts differently and processes differently or, or whatever. Male-female differences is enough to drive you crazy, right? Are you all with me? So that's one. Another hurdle is your personalities. There is a reason they say opposites attract. And it's it's blissful during the dating seasons. Oh, I just love that he's, oh, I just love that she's, even though it's different than me. We love, and it's bringing us together, but as soon as you put a ring on it, now that's the very thing that drives you crazy. The way they think, the way they process. He's high strung, she's laid back, or she's laid, uh, high strung, he's laid back, we can't get anything. The personality differences is another hurdle to really work through getting in sync and tempering your own personality and waiting on God to temper their personality. That's another hurdle. I think a hurdle that we understand is the baggage we bring into our marriage. Melissa and I brought a lot of baggage into our marriage. Hurts, pains, wounds, problems. From our childhood, from our upbringing, we created our own in our dating relationship. And listen, we were not told that these are hurdles that we will come across, and so we never dealt with them. And when you don't understand, hey, you got to work through some uh, male-female differences. When you got to work through some of these personality differences, learn to get along, learn to get in sync. And certainly when you don't deal with your baggage, what happens is a fourth category 
arises. And that's the baggage you acquire along the way. How you've learned to treat your wife. How she's learned to treat you. How you've begun to relate together in unhealthy ways. And now maybe you've been married 5, 10, 20 years and you're in massive crisis. And the issues are one of the first three hurdles, but we can't even get to those because we can't get past the hurts that you have acquired along the way. And it's just round the mountain, round the mountain, round the mountain. You understand what I'm saying? And so um, some of you may be here and you are in a place where you really, you're excited because you're hopeful that you might receive some help. But I got to tell you, listen, um, you've got to be willing to do the work. You got to be willing to insert repentance and forgiveness and work. We got to get to these because some of the real problems may be in the area of wounds from that go way back that you might need some inner healing. But I've seen so many people not be able to get there because they just won't let the other change. You know what I mean? Okay, he said he's going to stop doing that. She's going to stop doing this. And the moment he does anything that remotely looks like who he was in the past, I knew it. I knew you wouldn't change. I knew you weren't going to change. It's like, give me a second. It takes time to work this stuff out, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? We have to insert that grace. If we're in this together, you've got to know if it took 30 years, 10 years, to begin acting this way and thinking this way, then it's going to take more than 30 minutes to change. More than 30 days. And that's why we have to have grace. So these are the things that I, I just, I don't know, I'm probably preaching now, but there's a lot of good things to come and and uh, I'm excited about sharing those and, and just instilling, installing hope into people. And so we just, as we close up and kind of come to a close, we just want to encourage you um, just to be here, just to to not miss any of these teachings. Um, we know that just all around there's there's tired parents, there's distant marriages, there's hurt relationships. And the thing that is exciting about this, this teaching series is that um, regardless of what your situation is, um, also, we're all part of a church family. And so the things that we're going to be covering, the things that we're going to be learning about, the disciplines, the habits, just the mindset, it applies throughout all relationships and all conflicts. And so I just want to encourage you to be here. Um, and so we're going to finish up with a, a lightning round. Uh, just to close up real quick, five questions. Um, I did not tell Tony and Melissa what these questions are, and they're even different from last night, different format too. So um, what you're going to be doing, there are five questions you both get to answer, and they can be the same answer. That's totally fine. Um, and either one of you can go first. So uh, pet peeve of the other person. Just one, please. <laughs> and sorry if this stirs anything up. No, I, I really can't think of a pet peeve. Um... I really don't know if I have one. Do you, uh, she's probably got a list. He does have you, one. You go and maybe it'll make but me angry enough to find one. But your pet peeve piggybacks off of my pet peeve. Oh, let's do the piggyback thing. Do okay. Sure. Um, you asked this question last night, something about 
directions or navigation or whatever, however you ask that question, like who's... Who's better at directions? Yeah, and he doesn't even know how to do any kind of directions. Um, like complete navigational impairment. is. <laughs> I, I, if there was a diagnosis, I, I mean, there, that should be in the DSM, um, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, manual thingy. Um, he, he can't do it. I mean, even with Google Maps, it's a little weird. Um, and like I, you can tell me I've got it visualized. I'm there. Like I just, I totally get directions and, um, and we've lived in East Texas almost our entire lives other than living in Dallas. And he still takes wrong turns everywhere we go. And so I, it is such a pet peeve. It shouldn't bother me, but does it bother anyone else? That bothers me so bad. We lost 30 seconds right there. And I'm like, what? what, we'll never get that 30 seconds back because you weren't paying attention. And so it's not efficient. It's not efficient when you can't follow directions. And so um, I get so irritated. And so I'm constantly, and he doesn't, I, I, so con, I so subconsciously do this, but we're driving and I do this. When he's driving, I do this. And we, we're going to be full-blown conversation and I do this, you know. And, and, he, and he doesn't even realize he's taking cues from me anymore. Um, that's but, love right but, there. But let me tell you what his pet peeve is. So that's my pet peeve. It's very obvious. My kids even know it because um, I'm like, oh, my God, where are you going? And I say that when he takes wrong turns. I say, where are you going? Do y'all do that? Instead of saying, why did you take that wrong turn? I'm like, where are you going? Like, I'm like, we don't live on this road. <laughs> Like, we'll be going home. I'm like, we don't live on this road. Like, where did you think our house was going to be on this road? And, um, but occasionally he'll be in a bad mood and in the flesh and I'll give him a direction and he'll go, I know where I'm going. And I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) So it's a pet peeve of his when I give him directions when he actually knows where he's going. And that bothers him that I told him because it's like the one place he knows where to go. And then if I tell him left or right, he's like, I know where I'm going. And I'm like, it's bad, Joe. We'll be in our house and we'll be on our way to the kitchen for breakfast. She'll be like, take a right right here and then go straight. Where did you think the fridge was? I know where the kitchen's at. (laughs) So we'll stay away from directional questions. That's that's good. Okay, so uh, one book on family or marriage. Ooh, that's good. Family or marriage. Um... We, baby-wise, I'm just going to throw that out there, baby-wise, that's a hot topic. Some of you are like, no way, dude. Um, we got good kids because of baby-wise. So anyway, baby-wise okay. for the baby years, good. for sure. Um, I can't say the title of this book because there are children in the room, but it is a book on intimacy that I uh, try to give uh, or tell all of our, um, especially premarital couples to give um, because um, because of how important the physical intimacy is in a marriage, and um, and again, this is that's been very distorted in our culture um, in so many ways. And so, um, it actually in in marriage and family, it is one of my favorite, and it's been very enlightening in a lot of ways. Um, and so, I know that's a weird book to suggest. And if you want to know what it is, um, you can email and text me. I just can't say it. I don't think. Yeah, we can, we can skip yeah, that. Yeah, we can skip that. But if you want to know, um, good. Okay. email question. me. So the only food, if you could eat only one food the rest of your life, and calories and all that nonsense doesn't matter. Purple sweet tarts. Okay. <laughs> Just purple? Yeah. 
Okay. Absolutely, just purple. In fact, best gifts I ever get is when Tony gets the kids. They get me. They get bags or or uh, tubes. You know the little rolls of sweet tarts, and they put them just the purple in a bag or the jar for me. So it's a love language, man. Yeah, last meal, purple sweet tarts or French fries. Yeah, with or without a ring in the fries. Yeah, I'll take a ring. <laughs> um, pretty much uh, anything Melissa cooks. She's a very good cook. As evidenced, <laughs> so. Is there one single favorite that you have? Um, probably stuffed bell peppers. <laughs> we were actually we were actually in a uh, playing a game one time like this. It was with a bunch of other couples, and it was um, well, how did, what was that about? It was like the newlywed game, and they said, "What's one meal that your wife cooks that you hate?" And it and I, and I didn't know that he hated anything I cook because he literally will eat whatever I whatever I cook and tells me it's awesome. Like he's never complained about a meal ever. He did when he started gaining a little weight say, Hey, Hey, he did say, uh, stop. He blamed me and said, you cook too much food. He told, he, bl he totally blamed it on me. Don't make so much so I don't have to eat That's it. what he said. It's what he said. It's all your fault. Yeah. Apparently. Hey, also earlier in our marriage, when we were, we were all fit and trim, we had told each other, I'm just going to give y'all all a heads up right here. Um, he, we had said, we're never, we're going to tell each other if we get out of shape. Don't do that. Okay. Don't do it. Just, t just, you know what? This is what you say. I'm going to have grace for you, baby. That's what you need to say. Just say, I'm going to have so much grace for you after you have four kids. That's all you got to say. That's and good right does. there. That's good. It's good advice. So you didn't Free finish right the story. I, I said. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I got off on that. Um, he, he, so I was like, none of my meals. He likes them all. And he said, stuffed bell peppers. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know you didn't like stuffed bell peppers. He goes, I hate bell peppers. I didn't even know. He'd eaten them because I love those things. He'd been eating my stuffed bell peppers. And I had no idea. So he's joking. So I don't cook him bell peppers anymore. That's love, yeah. Joe. Yeah. That's love. Just burying all things right there. Yes. <laughs> all right. Favorite movie? Any genre? Unless it's inappropriate for church. No, it's... it's um, I have so many. I wish you'd said book. Could you change the answer? Book movie. Book movie. Um, movie that was made from a book. Now we're very specific. No. Mine is the Bourne series. Yes. Uh, give me, give me. I do like those. I love Lord of the Rings, but um, probably Last of the Mohicans. Okay. Yeah. That's a good classic right there. Mm -hmm, that music and just that pursuit, that pursuit right there. That's good. That's some, you know, that's how the Lord pursues us. I'm like, yeah, that's good. Good, okay. Well, last one, and this can be a joint answer, single answer, whatever. Uh, favorite date night together? Um, our own bed with the iPad and a movie. Like watching epic movies on a tiny screen. Like, like Last of Mohicans. Like, yes, do you know what I mean? Like you just finally get into your own bed and you can watch a show. On your and then fall asleep that way. That feels good, you know. You're like, that's honestly our favorite date, and I like to cook, so I, I just want to cook our own food and go get in our own bed. At the, our age, you just really want your own bed. <laughs> yeah. So, so we used to go eat or something, maybe go see a movie, but we do enjoy that more now. So we, we might go eat somewhere really nice and, and come back and just chill at the house. 
Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's no, good. That's good. That's good. Gee. Well, you guys are officially off the hot seat, and uh, are we grateful, appreciative that they uh, kind of let us see a little bit more? So thank you. Um, we're gonna we're gonna close up and uh, finish up in prayer. But again, just a reminder: you see on the screens, please submit your questions. We want to hear from you. We want to know um, what's on your mind, what's on your heart. And so, best way to do that is at that link on the slide. Um, we're gonna close in prayer. Tony and Melissa are both gonna pray. Uh, just over our time going into this next series. So. Great. I would want to pray for the guys. Lord, I pray right now for the men in the house, the men that are watching from their house, perhaps uh, any man that might be watching this uh, in some sort of archived sermon. Lord, I pray right now that you would um, move upon their heart to become the very best man of God, which will result in being an amazing husband. And Father, Lord, I pray that they would um, have the desire just all of a sudden, even right now, from this moment on, to pursue you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that they would be, they would be, begin bearing the fruit that perhaps they've always wanted to, but haven't known exactly how. And I pray that they would be highly motivated to come and hear more, learn more, and put into practice the things that we pull out from your word and from uh, maybe our experiences. Lord, I thank you for the women in the house, from the youngest girl to the matriarch in the room, Lord. Thank you that you made us uniquely women with strength and giftings and callings, Lord, and purpose, Lord, that um, is beyond titles, Lord. It's, it's just this intense identity and knowing who we are in you, Lord. And um, I pray that over every heart in this room, Lord, that women would feel your good pleasure over how they are, who they are, how you created them, Lord, and the discoveries that you want them to make about who they are in you. Lord, I thank you, and I want to declare the scripture over us that you do not despise small beginnings, but you delight to see that the work began. And right now in this room, Lord, not just for the women, for the men, for the kids, Lord, to stop and realize and recognize the truth that by your spirit, God, by your spirit, we can be made new. These areas of struggle in any relationship that we find ourselves in, Lord, your spirit can come and override our hurt, our personalities, our pasts, our fears, and bring truth and clarity to the situation in Jesus' name. I'm praying that right now over relationships that are struggling, be it marriages, family relationships, Lord, that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit, that we don't look at our weaknesses or our shortcomings or how much work we have to do, Lord. You delight that the work has begun. And we're believing in restoration, healing, and wholeness over our homes over our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen.